0: After this, you fancy a nosh?
1: <laughs> nothing gay with sucking a man off.
0: <laughs> Welcome to What's in the Box. Already forgotten it. <laughs> Welcome to What's in the Box, the show about pop culture references upon pop culture references, Chucky themed power-ups and literally nothing else. Just saying what we're saying. I couldn't be more tired if it's actually physically possible. No, you don't look tired mate, you look fresh. What's been happening in your world since we last recorded a podcast episode, Tristan? I went to the DC
1: exhibition. Oh, what's that? Over, there's a costume exhibition uh, over in the O2. So they've got costumes ranging from like Christopher Reeve's Superman costume through to Brendan Ruth's Ralph, what's his name? Ralph. Onto Zach, onto Zach Schneider, so you can actually see the evolution from what is quite literally just spandex through to the crazy rubber like solutions they've used for what for the new suits
0: the, are these legit costumes
1: then yeah no these are the actual I
0: love that I
1: fucking love legit and then stuff. there's Batman costumes as well so there's one from every there isn't every bat costume but there's one from every actor that's played Batman so oh,
0: there's wait, Michael oh wait what not e- what? even fucking Clooney mate even nipples Batman what so about Val Kilmer <laughs> yeah yes. <laughs> yes so there's Ke- what so are there's Ke- on them like there's
1: Keita's suit there's Kilmer's suit there's George Clooney's nipple suit
0: so sexy
1: is <laughs> so nice Uh, and there's two bales as well so there's the original and then the one from uh, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises Uh so you can see the evolution of the cowl as well which is Ah. kind of fascinating because the oh sorry I forgot Baflek, including Baflek's as well now Baflecs up close actually looks really imposing right okay because it just looks like some fucking big dude (laughs) whatever they've put underneath the suit Baflek, (laughs) (laughs) just looks totally different
0: So you're saying as soon as the suit as soon is inhabited as... by Bafleck, it's ruined.
1: Basically, yeah. Yeah, of course. So they did have the suit that he wore in Batman vs Superman, which looked as terrible off screen as it looked on screen. Is that
0: the metal, yeah. uh, whatever
1: it's called? I saw somebody who's, who had a cosplayer that last yeah. year, okay. which was every bit as good
0: as this suit was. <laughs> I imagine it's just like spray painted Kleenex boxes and then just still with the jizzed old rags in them. Uh, there was Heath Ledger's Joker suit as
1: well Ooh, um, custom nothing in his pockets but knives and lint Nicholson's costume as the Joker oh, DeVito's really, really? as the Penguin and there was also so much original artwork so there's original copies of like Action Comics issue one uh, is uh, that the one
0: with Superman lifting the car up?
1: that is the, the iconic oh how we suit. laughed and like, <laughs> uh, loads of panels that have been st- like stuck together so yeah. you can kind of see how they were arranging the layouts and stuff like that yeah. uh, animation cells and sketches from the Batman animated series uh, Go, it's yeah. like it's, it's about 13 quid it was absolutely amazing and then the last part of the exhibition was them trying to make us accept like Batman versus Superman and oh, yeah. and all that kind of DC shit that isn't working it's like no. oh guys please yeah. don't still
0: plugging out, are they <laughs> Let it go. Do you see it's not working? I'm yeah, still
1: trying to make it canon. It's like it's, it's not working.
0: So a little update on me. I um, Haven't watched any more Altered Carbon yet. <laughs> still, so still, still technically on, episode, on episode, two. episode two, but right before the credits. So or maybe I'm at the credits. I might even be at episode three. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm on episode three, but I just can't be bothered to watch it just yet. So I'm still with it, mate. Still capturing my attention. Yeah, that I've gone back to rewatch the first season of Lost. Really? I say rewatch.
1: I'm rewatching it. She's never seen it. Yeah, okay. Because so I remember the first season is actually being quite good. Of course. In fact, very good. And then it just obviously nosedives from that point.
0: Around the point when you realise none of this is ever going to get resolved.
1: I said we can watch it on the condition that we don't have to watch all six because she's a, more of a completionist than I am. Um, so it's like, yeah. okay, babe, I'll tell you everything that happens after the end of the first season and yeah. then that's...
0: That's it. That's the ideal. That was the ideal way to watch Lost.
1: Because the sad thing is, is it's so bitterly
0: disappointing. Well, what actually happened in the end? Because I tapped out. They're in purgatory. Oh, was that actually the thing? That was literally the. It was like, how do they actually? What's that look like? The island. No, but I mean, how do they? They go to a church. Do they? In fact,
1: it's like Once Upon a Time. There's an episode where they're all back in like New York or fucking back in civilization. Yeah, I remember that. Yet they've all got different names and they don't know who each other are and they have to figure out who everybody is. I remember is that, and, yeah. And
0: it's just such a massive cop-out. But that's what happens, isn't it? When you open a mystery box, JJ, and then not, nobody can be bothered to close it. No, it's it. not that. It's the fact that ABC
1: hadn't had a hit show
0: in years mm.
1: and this came along and suddenly they panicked was like, fuck, we need more of this, and we yeah. never want it If they'd have opened that show in the same way that, like, Battlestar Galactica had done, and they said, right, there's four seasons of this. Make everyone count. Go. You know, you've yeah. got something to work towards then. I mean, okay, we can argue back and forth about whether Battlestar Galactica ended well or not but I think the fact that it was only ever going to be those four seasons made it quite tight and they just tied themselves in such a fucking knot with Lost
0: so it's basically the same as Walking Dead now isn't it
1: yeah there's no resolution for Walking Dead at all is there there's nothing that's going to make you think oh I'm glad I watched this no because what else uh,
0: is that ABC as well no it's AMC uh, whatever. It's just the same shit. Get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> of that, bollocks. Altered Carbon, on the other hand, one amazing series, two max. i will be happy with just two episodes. Are you interested at all in The Lost in Space? I've seen this advertised. Is it a Netflix thing?
1: Yeah. Not really, because... Because you saw the one with Matt LeBlanc, and that was it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Gary Oldman was pretty good at that, though, wasn't he? he was. He was the uh, boy-hungry pedophile.
1: <laughs> the spiders. <laughs> oh, God. Have you seen any of the previews for Krypton? Yes. Do you know what upsets me about the sci-fi channel? No. Sci-fi... The sci-fi channel has its own look. For anything sci-fi, you can immediately tell... It's like they've had one... Fucking production designer and costume designer for the entire, like, duration of the channel's existence. Right,
0: is this this kind of, like, murky, kind of cloudy look? Murky, cloudy... ...in front of the But leathery,
1: leathery vinyl costumes
0: and shit. Yeah, I I don't know anything about Lost in Space. The only thing I know about Krypton is what you and I mentioned a couple of episodes back about David Goya being involved with it. I think I saw the the first trailer for it. The problem is that I haven't seen any of that shit. I hate... Do I have to say... Is it called an Arrowverse? verse oh, it's the CW
1: com- shows, aren't they? That's what
0: they've been. Is that what they are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I've
1: not seen... I've, I tapped out of Arrow because the acting's ridiculous. Flash as well. I haven't seen any of. It's just not on my radar. See, we said at the beginning of the podcast we weren't going to talk about Marvel and we get to suck it in again. Oh.
0: <laughs> <Think of> it.
1: <laughs> but you know how we're talk, always talking about you know the fact that Marvel have had the roadmap and all this yeah. kind of stuff. They're, I can't remember who it was that said this, but they were saying, like, no, that's got nothing... Although that does underpin it, mm. the fundamental is is, is marvel characters are about personalities go okay, on. okay so so peter parker under everything is a teenager growing up in queens in new york yeah. he hasn't got enough money he's got a sick aunt. you know he's yeah. you connect with him as a person yes okay? whereas if you look at superman yeah. superman is his power but like like the DC characters are their powers, yeah, with but, the exception of Batman, because Batman's character, as Bruce Wayne and him, has been delved into by, has been delved into a lot, and by some of the greatest comic writers. Yeah, people like Grant Morrison and stuff like, you know... That have, Bill Bailey. Yes, uh, definitely <laughs> Bill Bailey. I liked his musical version. Yeah,
0: those are very good comic writers. Yeah. Well, your description of Superman, or whoever was talking about Superman, that's just the same as Iron Man.
1: Not really, because... The, Downey Jr. is like, you can see how, how flawed his character is and how he's constantly fighting with the fact that he used to make weapons and now he's the good boy. Yeah, I guess. And, and the mentor uh... kind of thing of it. Whereas Superman doesn't, Superman's not relevant anymore. Superman shows a side of America that doesn't exist anymore. Ooh. You can't imagine Superman standing up now saying he's fighting for truth and justice in the American way without getting the biggest laugh.
0: Surely that has been that has been written about now in uh, comics in the US.
1: But the sad thing is if 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 you look at Superman Returns, cause I remember sitting in the cinema for Superman Returns and being giddy, like, "Oh my god, the credits are exactly the same!" Oh my yeah, god, they've yeah. reused Marlon Brando's voice for the intro as as oh, Jarell. Oh, yeah. oh my god, you know this is fucking amazing! And then realizing that there was no—I mean, apart from the fact that you had an ensemble cast and you couldn't quite figure out who you were following. Yeah, that, <laughs> there was no hero.
0: <laughs> <but> he, <laughs> so boring. He didn't have. He didn't have any resonance at all no i mean my my dad watched that film with us and he said jesus christ i've sat through law lectures more exciting than that what was he talking (laughs) about the train track bit Uh, that was just 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 went on and on and on and on (laughs) i know Brian Singer, what is wrong with Brian Singer mate, don't answer that question, we all know what's wrong with him. (laughs) Jesus. He should play the old guy from Lost in Space. Now we're hot enough aren't we? (laughs) Let's let's get a lawsuit. Welcome (laughs) to to the Boxer Show about boy hungry pedophiles, Brian Singer and lawsuits. (laughs) This week loads of news is coming our way. You know the Duffer Brothers mate? Yeah the guys who did um, Stranger Things. Exactly the Duffer Brothers. You know they did Stranger Things? Guess what? Lawsuit. They're being sued by a producer who claimed that they ripped, ripped off, off his short film. A or something Short like that. film, exactly. Which baffles me. Surely the one person that would be suing the Duffer Brothers for ripping off all this stuff is Stephen King, because they did. Bless him. Uh, some really exciting news coming from uh, the Marvel Studios lot. Did you know Luke Cage is confirmed to re team with Iron Fist in season two? There's a. Uh, That's an exclusive. Did you know about that? Oh God, I don't want to hear anything to do with Iron Fist. How good was Iron Fist? I really enjoyed watching the first trailer for
1: that. I thought the first four episodes were actually really good was the first four episodes that pissed everybody else off. Why? Because it's actually quite... Because I didn't know the character at all, yeah. And it was watching it and it's all about whether he is who he says he is because the character's been lost in a plane crash for like, you know, 10 years or something like that.
0: Oh, is that what it's about?
1: And the people that he was expecting to help him his childhood friends who have taken over the business that his father ran with their father. Yeah. Yeah. So, claim they don't know who he is so there's a whole but wait do they actually know who he is and they're just lying well one of them's deliberately saying and the other one's not sure that part of it I found really interesting But as soon as we realise that he is actually the immortal lion fist and he can neither fight nor act it gets really difficult oh shit is, about, is, he's is that the problem is he's really? really bad that reminds me actually he one... makes Mark Warburg look like he deserved an Oscar
0: oh no you hate Mark Warburg oh. so much as well fuck I are you went, serious I went there yeah he's not good He's not good. Is that what the criticism in general is leveled at his acting rather than the show in general no or? it tends to be the show in
1: general really what's yeah. so they just missed the mark with this one but I but crazily this is the one that they claim broke their
0: servers that's actually one thing I did watch um, since we last chatted Servers. no point Je- server break no uh, yes actually I did watch point server break Jessica Jones season two and, and boring oh, I never finished season one I got like to yeah. the last
1: two episodes and then just tapped out but I did enjoy it though that's a weird thing i did enjoy it. i've just never had the need to go back and finish it i
0: agree yeah what i quite enjoyed season one uh i like david Tennant's bad guy <laughs> excellent isn't he yeah he is excellent but what's he called Mindfuck. Uh it's not killer like he's uh like killmonger no, no. That's Black Panther. <laughs> even though they ripped his character off jesse custer's character from preacher the comic books yeah. who has the power to make you do whatever you want just by talking at you and it, it, that's much better than the amc version of preacher Bye. by seth Rogan, is it? Yeah. Even though they ripped that off Preacher, he's still a compelling villain. The interesting thing about this series is that all the directors are women rather than men. In one of the early episodes that we watch, Carrie Anne Moss invites a load of, like, gets high on a load of drugs and invites a load of, like, escorts over to a flat. So there's this kind of, like, orgy scene. And what's interesting about it is the fact that it's shot by a female director. So it's kind of less gratuitous than if it was a male director filming it. But than that i'm not really that interested i just can't i can't follow this so i tapped out the last starfighter is yeah. apparently being remade have you heard about this
1: no it's been announced no no wait that's not true is it yeah that is true we've been saying all this time like for god's sake i hope that's a film they don't remake
0: oh, because i mean it's the not last starfighter
1: i mean it's, it's classic it's a classic it's not the greatest film in the world but i have got a huge soft spot for it why because i think i just watched it along with a bunch of other films when you're sort of that
0: age four or five really that who's he at yeah. no no yeah. M- no surely older yeah. than that no <laughs> four or five you're watching like He-Man on no, TV no I was watching you Star Wars watching Star four, Wars and stuff like that you only develop memories when you're eight years old no but
1: I know that I've got, I know that, that's true <laughs> but I, <laughs> I know that I was watching it early on because I know what tapes I had when we were in Saudi we only had like four video tapes, and the the yeah. last Starfighter was one of them okay yeah fair enough and because it was written in arabic so i know where okay, i know enough. where i was
0: <laughs> i, I know that. that i must have been watching it then i love the, I pa- I love the f- fact that we reveal just a little bit more about your mysterious past every episode just pull back the curtain for the listeners <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so it was written in arabic or a strange alien language so it's
1: potentially being remade by one of the guys who wrote, ready for it, Rogue One. Some of the art was posted on Twitter today, and it looks exactly the same as the original. No one needs this. This, this film isn't begging to be remade. The only reason this guy is remaking it is so that they can say they made The Last Starfighter.
0: Okay, before we move on, we've got some uh, comments here from some listeners. I want to call them pod pals, mate. There's nothing I can do about that, is there? <laughs> no, I've actually said it <laughs> So, um, loads of people have got in touch. Do you remember we um, launched a competition last week, mate? What was it to win? Non-specific DVDs and Blu-rays <laughs> from your collection. So, because I'm moving out, so I've got to get rid of some shit. Yes, uh, not shit, pure gold Blu-rays or DVDs. If people dare us a five-star or more review on iTunes, then they will win a curated DVD or Blu-ray. I say curated, it means that Tristan and I say, yeah, that's fine, give it to them. Do I have to pay for postage? No, I can send it from work. Um, Go nuts, guys. We've got about 75 to give away, so that'll make us the most popular pod on iTunes. I'm really enjoying calling it a pod. Can you tell? Are you going to read out these fucking letters? (laughs) I'm (laughs) just (laughs) relaxing all right, I've got a couple of shout outs from Twitter, mate, um, especially around the um, feature the other episode, last episode around the top five films to watch on a Sunday or when you are hungover. Tom at Mr. Tom Ripley, absolute legend, got in touch with us. How about these bad boys? Terminator 2. Nice. Shaun of the Dead. Okay. Batman Begins. Nice. One of my favorites. Raiders of the Lost Ark Starring Indiana Jones Nice And Star Wars Which one? A New Hope Boo Don't boo it You love boo. it um, That's a good selection Mate Honorary that's... mention Back to the Future oh, That's which good. good Which one? Uh, it just says Back to the Future so be the original I'm gonna go with the original oh, Thanks for that Tom That's a good selection Tom Um Just as an addendum, Tom says, I think the most important thing when watching a film with a hangover is that it should be something you've seen a lot of times. You need to be able to drift in and out without the need to follow the plot. You also want either action or comedy. No Oscar bait today, thank you. Yeah, see, Sunday is not a day to watch Whiplash. No, it is not. That's right, because it'll fuck with your head. Thanks for that, Tom. And uh, if anyone else wants to get in touch with us on Twitter, then, I mean, we will read it out. You know, talking about films to watch on Sunday, Stargate was actually on last Sunday over the Easter break. Was it? It actually fucking was. Did you watch it? No, No, it was on in the background, which is perfect. Can't do a
1: James Spoda impression love to be able to. James Spader, mate. I'd love to be able to do a James Spader impression. His voice
0: is incredible, but... (laughs) He's like, what what have they done to him? What have you done to James Spader? (laughs) What has the galaxy done to James... Where's my James Spader? James Spader looked hot in that film, mate. I bet he's going to grow old gracefully, just like Brad Pitt's doing. Oh, no! (laughs) He got a little
1: bit wide. He's got a photographic memory, apparently. What? James Spader. He says... He can't actually physically... Well, you know when he's acting? Yes. Head, he can, he's imagining the script in front of his face because he can't see. He's practically blind. Is he? He can't see the script unless it's like actually it's like <laughs> six inches from his face. So, if he, oh, so boy, when he's acting, he's actually just reading off the page in his head. That's not true. His is voice, that true?
0: His voice is just dreamy. If he had a photographic memory... Then he must be livid at how he used to look compared to how he looks now, mate. It can't see it. Doesn't matter. Oh, thank Christ for that. Okay, so Martin Jackson says my afternoon
1: Sunday films are The Commitments. Oh, that mate, that's heavy. Okay,
0: I've got Co- pay attention to that. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> yes, you do. Okay, can we do that? Oh, no way. I'm yeah. thinking of The Crying Game. <laughs> <laughs> Ark of the Covenant. Do you think Martin means Raiders of the Lost Ark?
1: I don't know. Maybe he means Ark of the Covenant. We're not smart enough to know that. War Games.
0: Oh, Good 18th. choice,
1: good choice. Howl's Moving Castle.
0: Hayao Miyazaki. Great shout. Did he say My Neighbor Totoro as well? He did. Not allowed to, mine. He says, finally, to his shame, any of the Fast and the Furious franchise. See, wow, that is an interesting That's ballsy as well, that is. Massively ballsy. It's
1: like going and ordering like lobster and pheasant and grouse yeah. and then putting barbecue sauce on it. Thanks
0: for those, that, Martin. That's some uh, some great films. All right, and the last one is from a David Lotus. And uh, this one's come in via fax. Dave says it's wall to wall bond from me, chaps. So Dave's also accompanied his fax with what he's calling a loot box. That's very, uh, it's very modern, isn't it? Well, I'm actually calling it just he sent in a pair of women's knickers and some chopsticks. I'm not quite sure what the reference there is. But whilst I do agree that nothing quite sums up an ITV Sunday afternoon more than judo-choptastic James Bond, I do think he has an appalling attitude to women, consensual sex and people of Asian descent. Thanks for that, Dave. Did you know, Tristan, that apparently we are one step closer to seeing a Bill and Ted remake? Well, we've seen the picture, haven't we? Have we? Have we seen the picture of... And, and <laughs> Alex Ke- Winter. And Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Reeves. I mean, do we need... Do we need another Bill and Ted, mate?
1: Yeah.
0: I want to know whether they've
1: divorced the princesses, because, you know, all the princesses knew was about the mall and credit
0: cards. Oh, no, which... Bill's hot mum. Talking about eighty stuff. Have you seen Ready Player One at the cinema? I think I might have done. Yes! Yeah, Yeah, we got there. So
1: uh, just to to reiterate what you said a few episodes back, Chris, which was, and I quote, Spielberg doesn't need to do this. He is going to be tangibly phoning this in. Isn't that what you said? You don't know how I feel about this film, do you? No, actually, I have no idea. Why not? Because all you texted me was... Wow. So, what happens in Ready Player One? In Ready Player One, we follow a lad by the name of Wade Watts and his quest to find the three Easter egg keys that have been left in the Oasis, which is a virtual reality land, and had been left by the creator, James Halliday. James Halliday, the creator of the Oasis, has died and has left a message to be played upon his death, giving a clue, (laughs) an Easter egg hunt through the Oasis, and anyone who completes all the challenges will become owner of the Oasis and it's about Wade and his friends struggle to beat not only the rest of the world to find the keys, but also uh, Nolan Sorrento and the evil IOI
0: corporation. And Simon Pegg's in it. All right, here's what I think. Despite what I said, Steven Spielberg directed this film from an armchair in the Bahamas.
1: I don't believe that for a second. We saw pictures of him in Birmingham. He went to Birmingham,
0: Chris. I I genuinely think that this ranks alongside Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Fuck me, that's harsh. I came out of that film thinking, why didn't I love it? And I've made some notes which I'd like to share with you and the listeners. What did you think about Ready Player One? I really
1: enjoyed this film. I've read the book. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I've read the book about four times. Oh, here we go. Um, It's trash. The book. The book. But it's also genius. Ernest Cline's basically scoured pop culture reference or well, pop culture and pop culture references to put this book together just nostalgia the whole thing is just nostalgia you read the book going, oh my god yes it was like that wasn't it you know yes this game did have this secret door and stuff like that. it's the geekiest book written for geeks yeah. if you don't understand the references you're not going to get the story and the audiobook is narrated by will wheaton there's a really wicked bit in the book where will wheaton the actual person will wheaton has been voted president of the oasis for like the 10th year running right. it's like a ceremonial position I love but Bill it's William. just really cool that he has to read that out yeah, there's a nice yeah, nod yeah. to it in the film as well just in the form of a poster is there yeah but what they mean? never they don't play it up but it's it's there oh. um, but the, okay the interesting thing is or most of the major elements of the plot in the book yes won't make a good film for example the first challenge is him having to, once he's found, he's cracked the riddle, yeah. the first challenge is actually him playing a computer game mm. against a, a skeleton, like against a, an AI. Yeah. Not the crazy race that you see. Right. Like There's nothing visually exciting oh, about that. So it's quite simple. That whole shining section, that's not there. Yeah. But, but, <gasps> but what, what Spielberg has done so successfully is diverted from the book Hmm. but kept the essence of it yep. like so perfect so there is a section in the film where one of the challenges is oh fuck I can't remember which I think it's breakfast I think it's Ferris Bueller's day off I think it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off right. where he has to play the part of Ferris Bueller and oh, get all I the see. way th- and get all the way through the film without getting a single line of dialogue wrong. Oh, really? Yeah. What, for the whole film? For the whole f- He has to do the oh, whole yeah. f- Obviously, you don't re- read yeah, the never, entire yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. But, but, what's re- but whereas he's doing it from memory, yeah. obviously when Sorrento and the Sixers catch up, yeah. Like they lose their lead at that point because Sorrento's got somebody in his ear the whole time feeding him what the next line is. Oh, I see. Whereas he's got to do the whole thing from, memory okay um so what Spielberg does at that point, point is okay we, we're not going to do him playing all of Ferris Bueller but so what can we do let's put him in the shining because obviously Spielberg's a huge Kubrick fan people love the shining it's visually way more appealing to look at mm. and you can take more liberties with it so it's little things like that mm. that they've done that I thought was genius but there's also moments where I sat there thinking shit if you haven't read the book you're gonna get this mm. like I don't think there's any reason for you to like any of the main characters I really I think the characters were way for thin in the film there really wasn't mate the whole thing with Artemis and her birthmark on her face seemed really trivial glossed over fake so in the book like that birthmark takes up the whole of one side of her face and throughout the book Wade's constantly saying that he wants to meet her in real life and she's extremely shy and you don't kind of get whereas in this she was more sassy and more feisty she's much more shy and reclusive I think I gave the film a lot of liberties because of having read the book yes okay there's that and I did wonder whether you would enjoy it because you're thrown straight into it voiceover's still a big part of it which is okay because the whole book is told in the film first person yeah. it's him narrating yeah um so i think what does i was it, what mean you have to have voiceover on a film though a book has to be like that in, in many ways true but it, it did have to give a it did have to give away an awful lot in terms of setup
0: yeah before
1: you even got but you didn't have to start with the first race you know what i mean they opened yeah. it and they threw you straight into the action i'm always the first person to say that it doesn't matter about your set pieces if you don't give a shit about the characters so I can yes, see that true. already yeah so I, 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 hand on heart I can say that I,
0: you might not have enjoyed the action for that sake but weren't you still impressed this is how I like came to this film I uh, I hadn't read the book I didn't know what the content was going to be around I knew it was full of pop culture slash 80s references. But I thought what was slightly jarring for me, it's not that this is not the film's fault, but it was just me as a, as a sort of like a, a cinema goer. I thought the references were going to be film related. I didn't realize how heavily invested in computer games it was going to be because it was less of a, an homage to like 80s cinema, specifically Spielberg cinema, than um, it was to MMORPGs. Mate, I can bring it. <laughs> MMORPGs, what does that stand for? Multiple massive orgasms role-playing <laughs> games. Mate, I can talk computer games. Just fucking hit me up, I'm, I'm down with the kids. So for me, what was strange was that, yeah, I was expecting it to be wall-to-wall cinema references, but actually a huge part of it was kind of multiplayer gaming. So I mean, you were fighting against your own expectation for part of it. So does a that, little bit. Do you think it warrants a second view because of that? Then no. My excitement for the film was founded on the fact that I was going to see loads of references to classic films, icons of cinema, and whatever um, from the past. Right. So from classic films such as Back to the Future, DeLorean, with with a kit, Night Rider, Night Rider scanning light bar in the front bloop, of it, bloop, 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 bloop. and so on and so forth. Right but I wasn't expected to reference computer games and computer gaming so much. And I was really disappointed. You know, there's like, there's, a, there's an opening scene when he puts on the virtual reality headset And then you take it into your Oasis and it it sort of uh, introduces it and tells you what it is. You start getting like basically hit by pop culture reference after pop culture reference. Like I saw Robocop walk past the screen and then there's shit like the characters from Street Fighter 2. There's like Master Chief from Halo, blah, 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 blah. Then he shoots like Duke Nukem in the face. So I was really looking forward to seeing that because it's always exciting to see shit like that on, on film. And I like it when films reference that i'm talking last action hero <laughs> with <laughs> last action hero sharon stone but it's also it also reminds me of like who framed roger rabbit you know where all of the like, warner brothers stuff looney tunes characters and wreck it ralph which has the same cast of street fire in it or whatever but it meant nothing, it had zero impact on me whatsoever. And I was like, I don't understand. I've just seen a shot where Freddy Krueger gets smashed in the face, Jason Voorhees gets blown apart, and the DeLorean's driven through the middle of them in front of the Batmobile, Batman, Batgirl, Catwoman, and Big, the Bigfoot car, plus the original like, 1960s Batmobile. And it it just had zero effect on me, mate. (laughs) Really? Because
1: I'd forgotten about the sixties Batmobile till just now. And I was like, when that came on, I actually leant forward in my
0: seat and went (laughs) There were some points in it where those little references were like stunning. And I was like, fuck. But most of it was just like, no, not doing it for me. And the reason was because it was set in that rendered animated version of reality which just totally did nothing for me. I genuinely think you can't cross the streams when it comes to doing that. When it comes to like referencing like cinema or computer games or animation, you have to kind of stick to the medium that they come from. So what I mean is in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it works because the characters are animated, right? If they turned into actual bunnies, actual into, yeah. live action bunnies. You'd be going, Ugh, that doesn't. I don't know what that is. Similarly in this, like if you when you animate Robocop and have him walk past the screen, it's like, I wish that was a live action. I wish that was Pia Weller. And same with Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger and all of the myriad other references. Because they were animated, it meant absolutely nothing. I think it doesn't work unless it's live action but the standout set piece was The Shining. That was amazing for me to watch. Personally, I thought that was fucking brilliant I saw actually at that moment because there's a couple of cheeky swear words yeah I and know because there's this
1: family came like stood in front of us they came with about five kids and they were watching the shining bit and I was like "It's a bit dark and then the bit where all the blood starts yeah, going, yeah, I yeah. saw the
0: dude lean across and put his hand in front of his daughter's <laughs> eyes yeah, yeah. that bit was class but that was what I'd come to see that's what I paid the ticket for and I didn't get anything else off mm. that was seeing Spielberg show his love of sin Cinema, because here's the thing about this film spielberg does not care about mmo rpgs he does not care about virtual reality he does not care about stuff like that he's on the board of xbox he He loves he does not he does not give a shit he cares about classic cinema he cares about the french new wave he cares about like proper filmmaking and he also cares about icons that you can build a film around such as like lincoln etc he doesn't care about computer games that's why that shining scene stood out for me because it's a frame by frame retelling or remaking of that set and that was like wow okay spielberg loves kubrick and the stuff he did with ai kubrick died spielberg took over that project became a passion project for him even though the film was average so Spielberg shooting The Shining is a big thing. That's a big moment in cinema. Spielberg shooting or telling ILM to create a Bigfoot and then race it with some cars. Meaningless. I thought that scene was
1: absolutely stunning. Did that you? opening race, yeah. I was blown away by how fucking relentless it was. And Spielberg showing again, even at his age, like he's a fucking visual master. But... Again, I'm sat there with. Because I went to see it with Mish, and, who doesn't know the book at all, and I'm sat there thinking, shit, is she getting this? Because mm. it was interesting that they started it where they, they decided to come straight in with the action. Bit of yeah. voiceover action. Yeah. What you don't get is how important the oasis has become socially you get the mm. it's kind of glossed over yeah that that you know it's this thing that everybody loves and they love it so much that the world's falling to shit you're told it aren't you you're not shown it yeah you're yeah exactly yeah you're told it the book goes at length into how the oasis was a force for good how it was used for education so everybody uh, attends virtual school no, that's great spe- oh. you know they spend their entire lives it talks about how people spend their entire lives lives on in the oasis they get married in there even though they've never met in real life Ah. yeah and and what a grip it has on people right because of these benefits you know and then it goes into you know or if you want to you could climb everest with batman and all
0: that type of shit that is so strange because it there's such a simple way of telling that of showing that on screen and it's in that Initial moving shot, you know, where it moves down past the um, what they call the stack, with his really long legs. Yeah, with his giant legs, and you see in people's windows, in like they were all playing computer games. Like one of them was playing tennis, one of them was like boxing, pole dancing. All it had to do was pan past a school full of kids pretending to open books, or a couple getting married like with their headsets on. All it had to do was show that and then it would have got that point across. So I don't yeah. know why they missed that. And also within the book, the actual first portal, because you don't even see Parzival
1: discover the first portal, like the first entrance, because he does. And it's yeah. it's a throwaway line. It's already happened, but it's kind of a throwaway line in, this, in the film that you kind of miss. But oh, yeah. you're given the Halliday gives him the first clue and Parzival's the first person to figure it out. And it's on...
0: The, it's on his actual. It's in his school. It's like uh, on the school fucking field. That's it. That was what. Was, that was what I was thinking during this film, and I'm trying to figure out where. Just sort of uh, whether it was just paying lip service to the kind of culture it was referencing, like eighties pop culture. The answer is yes. It was only paying lip service to it. Because why? Why didn't it embody more of those movie tropes that you got from classic eighties cinema? Where's the scene in high school where people are saying, why? why do you care so much about the 1980s, which is 65 years ago? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, wake up. Like, wake up, McFly! So what's happened, so I keep coming
1: back to the book and we're talking about the film, but what's happened is the film starts five years after Halliday's died. In the book, you kind of get part of those five years and it talks about because of the Easter egg hunt and Halliday's fascination with the 80s, that drives the cultural pull Uh, back to the 80s because people start becoming obsessed with trying to find the key they then uh, start learning they then start learning as much as they can about the 80s which forces this whole cultural resurgence in the clothes because the youth you know all the youth start getting into it and that's why everyone gives a shit about the 1980s because they know the more they know about it the more chance they have of finding the key Uh, But, but yet five years into it nothing's happened
0: like nobody's found anything nobody's broken the clue so that makes perfect sense but what I got the experience I saw when watching it was that it's only five people that care about the 80s and, may, and really only one of them cares a lot about it the main guy yeah Parsifal
1: Parzival and Artemis have a little showdown or a little fact off like in
0: that H's workshop don't they and that's it Mate, she drives Akira's motorbike. I did get a little tingle. I like Canada's motorbike from Akira. What about the Iron Giant? No, did nothing for me because I haven't seen the Iron Giant. Oh, it's so sad. But he got a little bit sad, there, didn't he? The Iron Giant. He had that sort of like that <laughs> sorrowful look in his eyes, didn't he? Terminator Two, thumbs up in the lava. How <laughs> <He was laughs> amazing thinking of you. was that? How was amazing of, was that? I was thinking of How you with How amazing when that was happened. that? Yeah, well, it I sat there like, did he just do Terminator Two? That? That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know that <laughs> was amazing. That's amazing. Okay, let's go for our best references from uh, Ready player one okay. you go first i think it's it's probably the th- it's probably the thumb the iron giant the iron giving giant. arnie from terminator 2's thumbs up as he, as dies, he melts in, lava. in lava. As he melts lava okay that was good um I, pulse rifles pulse rifle she does have a pulse rifle with the wrong sound yeah it was not too bassy wasn't it, yeah, was it wasn't it? it didn't have that high pitch it was like gutted But a kind of joy, even though, like I said, everything set in what it calls the Oasis, like the VR world, kind of the references, it dilutes the references, so they they don't have as much impact because it's not live action for me that said seeing a pulse rifle and at the same time seeing Judge Dredd's lawgiver from Danny Cannon's 90s version of the Judge Dredd film was like oh what um, even though like they missed an opportunity they should have voice activated it what about the chestburster oh, yeah the chestburster yeah that was good I mean I wrote the that orb, but, the I, but ob- in preparation but I didn't google it I mean the spongy one or the yeah, orb yeah the spongy thing okay. the orb was like a 20 sided dice wasn't it die uh, but, but the f- mate Predator theme. I swear that was Predator. Was that Predator? Did I I make that up?
1: No, I think that was in there. Okay, that was good. Um, Obviously Chucky. That was a spectacular moment.
0: Huge moment. That was a brilliant moment. Was, Spielberg was loving that. Someone dropped an F bomb as well. Was like, Huge F bomb. Chucking. That and the scene um, bait when they when they go in and they say that everyone's trying to f- mine the Shining, and you just see people screaming with their virtual <laughs> headset on, just running about. Um, yeah, I love that. Ultimately. Um, I don't know, the three main problems I had with it, like I said, like the cultural references, it didn't work because it wasn't live action. Like at no point in all the times I'd read the book, I'd
1: never once imagined what the actual texture of the oasis
0: actually looked like uh so did you imagine it as live action like, yeah in my head it was always it live type, action. like changing it to look a bit different yeah or softer or...
1: which is why it was quite weird when the posters started coming out you know and stuff mm. like that when i was like oh that's i didn't expect it to be an
0: animated film such a shame going back to the set piece in the overlook hotel in the shining it was kind of lost at just how good the rendering of the cgi was when they were in that live action set right it would have just resonated so much more with more of that live action and more of the references were shot on film rather than just because I don't know if this is like a success or a failure for it but what it nailed was the fact that when you're playing like, a, like an online multiplayer game and you can buy like outfits and stuff so you could easily buy like a Back to the Future outfit or a Thundercats fucking belt oh, okay. like he wears you could easily buy stuff like that and the effect is exactly the same as seeing it on screen in this film. It's like, nah, you can buy them whenever you want. Or it doesn't stand out. It's like, no, fair enough. He's got. He's, he's referencing the 80s. So it actually nailed that like lack of excitement when referencing pop culture in an online game at the cinema. So is that good or bad? I don't know that's what happened so for me um, yeah like the main thing was that the cultural references just didn't stick until The Shining part Mm -hmm. until Chucky and until the pulse rifle from aliens. I found it a lot of fun to actually search the frame. Like, for
1: example, the pulse rifle. When Sorrento's troops invade the club and they all start shooting, I was actively looking at the screen, going, Oh, I wonder what gun she's got. And then you're like, Oh, they've got, he's got a gun from Halo. Like, Oh my God, she's got a pulse rifle. That's yeah. mental. You know. And so for me, there was a lot of fun in actually looking for those yeah. items. Yeah. Like for kids, I think it's just going to be. Kids won't get it on the cultural reference level because they haven't got that. Yeah. So. I think it just, for them, it's just pure excitement. Yeah, actually, who made up the audience in the screening you saw? It was a mix. It was a proper mix from everybody up to older than me, you yeah. know, down to sort of six-year-olds. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's a bit... I... When the first few
0: swears got dropped, I was like, oh, those parents are reconsidering right now. <laughs> yeah, these annoying swears. That was the same, same mm-hmm. as me. Some young kids, some teenagers. <sighs> some people in their mid-30s. I liked it where the stakes in the real world started getting up to as high as they were
1: because it was it was kind of difficult saying to people okay well why does it matter if people it's not like the Matrix people don't if they die in the Oasis they don't die in real life so why does it matter and they make the point of saying that if you X out you lose you know all your coins your clothes just
0: like in a real that's one of the negatives for me is that the, the film lacked like a really compelling villain. Mendelssohn was kind of. He wasn't phoning
1: in. He wasn't phoning it in. Mendel it, Fingers? Here was, he was playing yet another villain.
0: Oh, God, Simon Pegg was in this film. I thought Pegg was great. Why is he doing America? He can't do accents. He ruined Star Trek with his terrible Scottish accent. He ruined this film, and i imagine imagined the Mission the Impossible films. I'll
1: tell you who I did like, and you're going to laugh your balls off. I really appreciate Mark Rylance for the first time. You love Mark Rylance. I
0: really appreciated One him. One of the greatest but living I British he, actors.
1: He wasn't how I imagined James Halliday to be, but he was awkward in just the right ways. Uh, in, uh, and also, I thought I was impressed by Simon Pegg, because what they did with the Ogden character... I haven't said that in 15 years. <laughs> Since Spaced. Yeah. Um, what they did with the Ogden Morrow character was really cool as well. Because again, in the, in the book, they're actually invited. That's Ogden Morrow's club and they're invited. And then in the real world, for like the final challenge or whatever, Ogden Morrow actually has them flown to his, his private like Space house, palace? island, whatever, in the real world. So they can be protected and safe from yeah. IOI. You know, so he, he offers them a lot of help. In order so that they can win. And I was thinking, oh, that's a shame. That's kind of missing from that. But they tied in the help with him giving the coin. The coin's found originally through playing a computer game. He plays, I think it's like a perfect game of Pac-Man. Right, in the book. In the book, which of course isn't very compelling viewing yeah. for a yeah. film. And he gets yeah. this coin and he's no idea what it is. Yeah, he thinks okay. it's a challenge that he's stumbled across. And he plays the perfect game of Pac-Man and this coin falls out and he's like, oh, fucking great and sticks it in his inventory and forgets about it and that saves him okay. later on in exactly the same way okay right. um but so i thought the idea of ogden, of making ogden morrow the um oh, the curator of the museum and him actually giving him the coin i thought was a really nice it's a real spielbergian way of tying sort of stuff together, I
0: thought it was really well done. Yeah, that was a nice touch, to be fair. So you take the Matrix as an example and compare Agent Smith's character, Hugo Mm. Weaving's character, Agent Smith, in the Matrix and the the climactic battle between Neo and Agent Smith in that Matrix, and how invested you felt at the time watching those characters fight each other, and compare it to the CGI climactic battle in Ready Player One where I wasn't invested at all in that conflict. And that's kind of like my reason for not really caring about the villain because it meant very little. The final conflict was pretty dull, actually. Mm. They Compa- could, like Compare it to yeah. the Matrix. Imagine Apple
1: one day start this competition, Steve Jobs dies and says, whoever, gets the, whoever wins these three tasks wins control of Apple. Yeah. Yeah the spirit of that competition is opened up to the people yeah but some what are, the people the people what but imagine people? but then microsoft bill gates says well anyone can win so if our you know if, if yes. our employees play yep. then we will own apple as well yeah and that's not only do they have the infinite resources of Microsoft. Yeah. But it's also dead against the spirit of the competition as well. Yeah. yeah. And that doesn't really come across that that's why Sorrento's so hated. Yeah. If they just pushed
0: that a little bit more, you could have resurrected that, I think. Yeah, I got a little bit of that, but like but you're right, it didn't resonate. Like it would have been far more compelling for me if whenever the bad guy Sorrento like Ben Mendelsohn's character who's weak in real life, isn't he? Um, he whenever he t- he put his headset on to enter the Oasis he was OP'd as fuck and he was like this this immortal uh, bad guy that like the agents in The Matrix turned up and basically just like clicked their fingers and beat all the people around him. so and like an un- like that sense of injustice not only that but if you
1: then coupled his enormous power yeah. with his inability to break the
0: riddles Yes. Without help, that would have been a very interesting dichotomy and the fact that his power really isn't his own he's, being, he's like employed like real geeks who are the, the real players he's influenced them and employed them to empower him so really he's weak in both the real world and the oasis. that would have been a much more compelling bad guy for me and we didn't get that. we just got him turned into Mecha Godzilla, which no one's seen and fight Gundam, which also no one has seen. I think what was interesting for me was having heard people who love the book
1: screwing that the film you know saying oh you know it's taking too many liberties and stuff Uh, like that I was surprised yeah I was surprised by okay a how much it had actually changed okay um, but also how we'd managed to keep the essence of it just I think it was I think that's what every adaptation should be of a book Mm -hmm. because you can't if you adapt a book if you adapt a book literally yep. to a screenplay you end up with Watchmen
0: anyone that says the wa- Watchmen in the book does not drag its feet get out now get out <laughs> no it's not it's just the Mars section is difficult to read get I don't out. Think, shut up <laughs> eat my ass. <laughs> Um, what else would be a bad, a good example of a Lord of, of the Rings, extended nine hour... <laughs> That's <laughs> good, that I love that. Book, yeah. That was when
1: you talk about Lord of the Rings, the first time I saw deleted scenes that thought, okay, the only reason these were cut was for time. Whereas in the past, you'd look at deleted scenes, you're like, oh, that was a bit shit, I can see why they cut that. That is
0: not true, Tristan. What about the amazing extended cut of Aliens? Both scenes it's were gold.
1: Really, the robot guns. That's robot, only guns.
0: robot guns. Robot guns. Because we were twelve and they yes. looked mint. That was yeah. it. There's
1: actually no reason for that scene. It just adds it so much depth. Everything down. That <laughs> is it utterly down.
0: pointless. Also, this like, like just totally reduces the villain monsters to like cannon fodder. It's like, oh, okay, they're not scary now. It's like
1: Alien Three theatrical release and special edition. No, what's the special edition version? What's it's, the difference? Okay, so the special edition yes. apart from it coming the alien coming out of a bull instead of the dog, never understood why that, they made that change.
0: What? <laughs> never understood it. <laughs> um, wait, wait, wait. Which release, which version had a bull? The the DVD.
1: No, the the uh, the special edition it comes out of a bull.
0: What where is that? So, what, so they a ball, have got ca- a ball no, slips got... around the pod rather than a dock? Yeah, they've got cattle. Oh, uh, what? Yeah, they have. I they've did got not some know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. In the original cut, you know, they do that whole plan to trap the alien inside the like the bunker where they've got all the nuclear waste.
0: He's coming! He's coming. Coming. coming!
1: Yeah, so the, the execs thought that once it's trapped, it's not scary anymore and it's neutered. What happens is once it's trapped, Paul McGann, who's lost his fucking mind, yeah. starts becoming more obsessed with this dragon that he's seen, mm-hmm. and he goes and releases it and Freeze it. Ah, uh, yeah. And then okay. it eats his head. Yes. And then the rest of the film unfolds as it did before. That's one in the special edition. And it's the first time I thought to myself, I really agree with the execs here. Because uh-huh. it's true because the film's kind of like, well, you've solved it now. Oh, it's out again. And that's the same thing with the robot guns as well. It just, it, it becomes more about the numbers that they've got rather than the fact they're difficult to yeah. to kill. Yeah.
0: Also, where's, where's all the tension? The tension is like, oh, in the background, uh... A yeah. thousand aliens are being shot off off camera somewhere by some guns. And they're like, so we've got the blueprints and here's some air ducts. Can we put Lance Hendrickson in that ducks, please? Bishop called through a river of shit and came out clean <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> um, I was gutted that I couldn't like Ready Player One more. But it was a by-numbers, phoned-in Spielberg film, and it did nothing for me other than that amazing, shining reference. And the pop culture references also did nothing because I wished to God that if it was a virtual reality version they did it like The Matrix, where it's still shot, using cameras so, and live action
1: I'm going to disagree I thought this is Spielberg returning to one of the things that he does best like if I'd been shooting it when they was putting the the key into the very last lock there's some beautiful shots of that there's tension with the key sliding in and out which reminded me of the diamond or the jewel being kicked around the floor in Temple of Doom Yeah, yeah, yeah and it just reminded me of Spielberg being at his best when he's enjoying what he's doing yeah I I had a problem with that
0: being really like pedantic just being like oh for god's sake just put the fucking key in it well no I mean if you're in a virtuality suit I mean I didn't understand why he was rocking like that because the van was rocking as well yeah but but doesn't he control it with little control pads no because they were
1: attached with strings and they have got those little pads on the floor and shit that's ridiculous
0: (laughs) 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 this whole film's ridiculous
1: (laughs) why do they film
0: it but Birmingham's never looked so beautiful as well (laughs) Birmingham. <laughs> Shitty verminum Oh, all towns and cities in England are shit. Who we can? Could... Uh, Mark Rylance impressed. I was actually impressed for the first time. Decent Rylance, that wasn't it. That was better or worse than his BFG. Way better. Who's your favourite BFG? Mine's Ken Branagh. I would say if you've got like Orange Wednesdays, perfect. If you want to spend thirteen pound fifty, not perfect. Tristan, what's the opposite of perfect? imperfect it's all right it's all right is this the first time we've disagreed properly i hope so (laughs) not in life but definitely on it quite sad definitely on tape really like fucking really like indiana jones for they're raping him bad <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yes, mate. I'm afraid so. In two months' time, maybe even less. We'll Are look you back ranking on this. it as
1: one of the worst Spielberg films ever made? You think it's worse than Empire of the Sun?
0: What? <laughs> if he's gone there, he went straight. There. <laughs> he went straight there. Um, no, but it is worse than Lincoln what about munich oh no nobody likes munich no, munich's
1: munich got like come on three, give over. munich's got like three good bits of it and <sighs> then they all sit down eating forever
0: so um yeah it's it's up there with munich um and those dizzy heights like abraham lincoln that one that no one's seen it's a shame because i feel that i don't think spielberg sat around ilm's offices and said well this is coming along great guys that wireframe is just what i wanted it to be and can we just move the camera this way and then in six months time went oh it's rendered brilliant yeah that's that's great but can we just go back and do no did he pass it on to ilm they directed it And he directed the live action scenes from an armchair in the Bahamas. That's what I mean about when I said, like, Spielberg doesn't want to make these films anymore. Look at what he did with Indiana Jones. Forced at gunpoint to make it (laughs) you know, by some Nazi general with like a fucking burnt old hand. And he does not want to make this film either. I have no idea why he chose to make this film other than the fact he got paid a fuckload of money to do it or to rubber stamp his name on it so that no one else could take the piss out of Spielberg. Because I heard that there was a lot more Spielberg references in the book. He says, it's too much of a vanity project for me to put all those references in the film that I'm directing. But I reckon he's scared that another director would put them in and kind of take that ownership away from him and start to impact his legacy and reduce point. it to something that happened in the past. It's an, yeah, because That's it, why I think he's in charge of this film, mate. Well, when you started talking about it, I was thinking
1: like, oh, I don't think anyone would be m- malicious enough because there's not, like, in some circles, it's not cool to like Spielberg because his films are saccharine and stuff like that. Really? But yeah. No. Oh, de- oh yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. Yeah, fair But he's revered by all the filmmakers that matter, um, because his genius is recognised. You know how you can get from fucking ET to Schindler's List. You know is. Yeah, Un- yeah, yeah. unbelievable yeah. you know the day Spielberg sat down in an interview and said playtime's over the world went oh fuck yeah. <laughs> you know and then we saw what this guy was really made of yeah. but that's interesting what you're saying about somebody else taking ownership of his stuff and potentially fucking it up yeah. see that because obviously we've never met the man only ever seen him in interviews and stuff like that and there's never nobody has a bad spielberg story from being on set or anything like yeah, that the right. only time he's ever snapped that we know of is when he got michael bay to fire megan fox what? off transformers i didn't know that so what happened is somebody said in an interview what's it like to work with michael bay and she said he's like working for hitler Ooh. now he does have a very regimented fast working pace Bay. So, bay. So we don't know. I mean, he's a master. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't know whether she was being bitchy or whether she was just saying it's part of his dictatorial style of directing. Yeah, yeah. But Spielberg wasn't having that. Right. He was just like, no, she goes, you fire her now. And that's the only time that we know of that he's actually gone. So, Put his foot down. But yeah.
0: So His little Spielberg foot.
1: I think you're absolutely right. I think it's more the fear that maybe somebody might fuck up his legacy. He's already secured his place as one of the greatest directors of all time in Western cinema. And the thought of somebody else taking ownership of his stuff and maybe fucking up, I think that could be a genuine concern. I certainly don't think it's malicious. No, no, I don't either. But I also have to follow up with the fact that when Spielberg announced that he was doing Ready Player One, my first thought was, yes, nobody else but him can make this movie.
0: Yeah, and his thought was probably no one else but me can make this movie. I won't allow anyone else to make it. Look at the films that Spielberg's been making like over the last decade, the like, iconographic, big statements. He feels like he has a responsibility now to tell mature stories, just like the BFG. That was kind of like my point originally when I said, I can't believe that he is in any way passionate about this. I think it's a statement of ownership rather than of uh, it being a passion project. Do you remember me saying he's gonna do this film to play
1: with IP that he never got a chance to play with and wished he had. Yes. Now that only came across in The Shining.
0: Yes. Amazing point. Absolutely agree with that. That's why it resonated so much for me. Like I've just realized it now, right like hearing you say that. Yes. Because he's passionate about cinema. He's not passionate about pop culture. He grew up with what, like being passionate about certain styles. And he film. created the pop culture. Yes, he did. No one wants to go back. What
1: I would like to have seen is more stuff like where it's like, okay, I want you to, Play in this world now that's, rather than just yes. having the reference have the references peppered around it's lovely they're amazing easter eggs to go back on rewatching and stuff like that yeah. but if there'd been more stuff like the shining where he was getting to play with stuff like oh fuck i wish i'd made back to the future yes oh,
0: fuck, that would have been more tangible and would have been even better to watch and i remember now that's what i was thinking during that shining scene i was like oh, wow, is that the structure of the film now? Are we going to have two more classic films? That they're going to, are we going to go into Back to the Future? And are we going to go into Ferris Bueller next? Or are we going to go on to the set of Aliens? That's what I thought that was setting the film up to be. But I hadn't realised that that was like about 60 minutes in. Uh, wasn't there a reference to Schindler's List in it? No, there actually was. No, there was. A, there was. <laughs> there was. No. There was. There was a po- in his where he lives in that little caravan. Mm. There's Schindler's Ark, the book. The book that Schindler's List yeah. was based on. Yeah, yeah. I yeah mean, my that, dad gave that
1: to me years ago and told me to read it, and I still haven't. Jesus, did that It's moved. It's,
0: that that happen in real life.
1: Yeah, it's moved like four houses with me, but I've still <laughs> never read it. Wow. What a dad! Uh, Okay, guys, that's our show. You can follow us on Twitter at
0: Boxfresh Films. Let us know what you thought of Ready Player One. I really liked it. I owe my life to him. (laughs) Don't forget to leave us some reviews on iTunes. If you Um, like the show. Do you know how hard it is to write a review on on iTunes, by the way? It's like a few clicks, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. It's really easy. You can do it in your lunch break. We are
1: the hybrids of broadcasters. We worship the gods of televisions. And Radios. But not the devil himself. Internetos. Internetos.